Hi, and welcome to the Words of Encouragement podcast, a podcast of love, hope, inspiration, and encouragement using the Word of God for people from all walks of life. And of course, I'm your host, Arlena. Thank you once again for joining me on another episode of the Words of Encouragement podcast. I pray that each and every one of you are in the best of health, best of strength, and most importantly, in the best of spirits, especially with everything that is going on out there today. Oh boy, it is serious business. This is definitely the time where we need to be focused on the Lord more now so than ever. God knows it is so true because, you know, each day, whether you receive your information via the news, whether it's on the radio, via television or your radio or podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, or if you'd still buy the newspaper and open it either way. There are so many things that are going on out there in the world. But nevertheless, no matter what's going on out there, one thing that remains the same, and that's the fact that God is almighty. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's gone and he's coming again. So we thank God for that because we are definitely living in some serious times. If this is your first time, I'd like just to take some time out to say real quickly and say, welcome. And if it's not your first time, well, welcome back. And as always, before beginning, I'd like to start by giving all honor, all praises, and all glory to Father God Almighty, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, because without them, I am nothing. We are nothing. However, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me including this podcast, as well as this podcast episode. I also hope and pray that this day has met each and every one of you in great health, great strength, and most importantly, in great spirits, because that is also important. Very, very important. Today is May 7th. Wow. Next month is June. And you know, once June hits, that's it. It's December. (laughs) Time waits for no man. But yeah, today is May 7th. Today's Sunday, May 7th, 2023. Where I am at, the temperature is currently 74 degrees. We've been having some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sunshiny days. And it's been just right. Some nice spring weather. Not too hot, not too cold, just beautiful and comfortable. And of course, in my neck of the woods where I where I live, every day I go out, it's such a beautiful, picturesque view of God's awesome and wonderful creation. Yes. 
The time now is currently 3.57 p.m. Uh, yeah, you heard me, 3.57 p.m. Yeah, normally I don't record during these times, but yeah, I decided today I needed to get this done. So here I am on a Sunday recording it at 3.57 p.m. So that's a blessing in itself. I am currently sipping on a cup of tea. Let's see, what is it? It's immune support. No, nothing's wrong with my immune. They just had it on sale and I have like a couple boxes. So I'm just trying to finish it up. And in it, I have a cough drop, apple cider vinegar. I believe I have either lemon or lime juice in there, a slice of lemon as well. And I also have some zero calorie sweetener along with some turmeric and some cayenne pepper. Yes. So that's what's in my cup. What's in yours? Are you drinking anything? So sit back, relax, go and grab yourself your favorite hot or ice cold beverage, depending on where you're at. And join me back here in a few minutes as we get started. So see you in a few. Are you looking to spice up your quiet time Bible time with the Lord? Well, guess what? I might just have the right thing to help you. There is nothing better than being able to spend quality and intimate time with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and in His Word. For many of us, this may look different from day to day. Check out my 20-piece digital quiet time Bible study bundle. It comes with six topical scripture writing plans to encourage and uplift you as well as to help you get into the Word of God. So if you're ready to dig deeper or simply ready to give your Bible study a boost, check out my 20-piece Quiet Time Bible Study Bundle and other digital Bible study resources at Jahira Print Shop. The link will be featured in the description box. And as always, I'd like to take the time out to say thank you to each and every one of you. I do hope and pray that you will be blessed. are listening to the Words of Encouragement podcast with yours truly, Arlena. Stay tuned. Okay, so welcome back. I hope you were able to grab yourself something to drink. So now just sit back and relax while I take control here of this wheel and let us get started. So once again, welcome to today's episode. Oh, you know what I forgot? I do apologize. I forgot to tell you what the name of today's episode was. Lord, help me. Actually, the name and title of today's episode, I knew something was off. The name and title of today's episode is David Part 2. A man after God's own heart. In today's episode, 
is inspired from Psalm 51. And this is episode number 123. Once again, the name and title of today's episode is David Part 2, A Man After God's Own Heart. And it was inspired by Psalm 51. So in today's episode, what I will be doing is I will be going a little deeper on some information that I was able to find on the life of King David. Now, I did a cover on King David, I believe it was in 2020, during my Heroes of Faith segment. Now, that segment was a segment that I used to do a couple years back, but I no longer do it because, yeah, it's a whole lot of work. And I used to um, have that segment in addition to whatever the episode would be. So basically, you would get the episode and then you would get after the episode, you would get that Heroes of Faith segment. Now, I am not sure exactly what episode it was featured in. I'd have to go back somewhere and try to find it because I have no idea. Because at this point, we are in episode 100 and something. So I'm not sure which episode. But yes, I will try to go ahead and look for it when I get a chance. Definitely, but at least by the time this is recorded and edited and uploaded. And what I will do is I will go ahead and I will add the link in the description box for those who may or might be interested in listening to it. Now, I know oftentimes a lot of people, I'm not saying everyone, a lot of people are interested in feel-good messages. This is not a feel-good podcast. This is a truth podcast. In other words, a truth when it comes to the word of God. So it's not about feel good messages for me. It's about the Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, his word. And also it highlights some of the men and women who God used for his kingdom, his honor and his glory. And of course, one of those people is none other than King David. Oh, and just in case you didn't know. King David is one of my favorite biblical personas. Yes. Um, yeah, my dream was back then that if God was to send a husband back then, that he would have a heart after God's own. In other words, like David, I always loved King David because there was, despite his shortcomings, like so many of us, including my own self, he clearly was a man that you could see that had a heart and he truly he truly loved the Lord. I mean, the love that he had for his God. Oh my God. I only saw that demonstrated really through Christ in his love for his father, which is our father, God Almighty. And also Joseph reminds me of that as well. Paul. But um, the way David loved God, oh, he just romanced him. Oh my goodness. It was like a love affair. It was it was just so beautiful, so breathtaking, and so amazing. And to me, there is nothing, I'm sorry, I'm just going to be real like Bishop Duncan said today, like we ain't trying to be religious at this point. Nothing is like a man that loves the Lord. And honey, that was King David. He loved his God. Oh my goodness. And 
yeah, so he's one of my favorites. So yes. So on that note, let's dig in here. Because we got quite a bit to cover. Now, this particular episode came about about maybe two weeks ago, actually. It wasn't in the can. It wasn't planned. But something happened as I happened to read Psalm 51. Now, I, if you've listened to my year-end episode for 2022... In that episode, I stated I was going to be starting something called like a gratitude journal and a scripture journal. Excuse me, um, jar. I do apologize. Lord, help me. And I keep one next to my bed. So some days, if I might be feeling a little down, a little drained, a little tired, or just a little blue. Because yes, you know, we do go through things in life. And, you know, oftentimes you can be there for people, but that don't necessarily mean people are going to be there for you. But that's not the case. You know, that's not the point. The point is whether people are there or not, either way, we are to look to the Lord. You know, we are to look to God, you know, his word, his son, his Holy Spirit for whatever it is that we think we might need. So if I'm feeling a certain type of way, I might open up. Or not even feeling that type of I just want to see, okay, let's see what he's saying today. And I'll open up my jar, go into it, and just randomly just pull out one of those papers with a scripture on it. See what it says. And on that particular day, I'm not sure if I was feeling a certain way. I don't, I don't really recall. I don't remember. But either way, when I pulled it out, it happened to be Psalm 51. I don't remember what verse it was, but it was Psalm 51. I said, hmm, I think today... Today's um, devotional, uh, you know, quiet time with the Lord. I said, let me read some, the entire psalm. So, of course, that's exactly what I did that particular day. And as I was reading, um, hmm, okay, I'm looking at my computer here. It looks like it's cracking a little bit. That's besides the point. I'm sorry. So, yeah, as I was reading that day, I was doing my daily reading for that day. I read some... 51. And as I read it, I can't remember exactly what scripture it was in Psalm 51, but it stood out like a sore thumb. It just stuck out. I mean, everything was sticking out in that particular um, Psalm because it's a Psalm of, of repentance and forgiveness. But there was just something that stood out there and I was like, it was something that I could relate to very much. And I was like to myself, I wonder why David was saying whatever it was he was saying in that particular verse. And I said, you know, I need to go do some digging. Now, if you don't know me, when it comes to the word of God and things of God, I like to dig. I enjoy doing research, especially if I have the time. I like doing deep dives. I really do. Because it gives me like another level of connection with the Father for some reason. Because I I, 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 I kind of learn things that maybe I never really thought about until I go deeping, you know, digging deeper. So that's exactly what I did. 
And upon me doing this, I came up with some information. I, well, I found some information actually. And I said, you know what? Wow, it was powerful. It was extremely powerful. Things that I never knew. And I said, you know what? I need to share this because I know I needed it for myself. And I know that others out there probably would need it as well also. So it's my duty to also share. So that's what I'm about to do right this minute. So enough of my babbling and it's time for me to just get on up in here. So in my discovery, I discovered some facts about additional facts about David that I, I never knew of. I knew a little bit about some of it because in part one, I had to do some research, but I still didn't reach to this part as far as how deep where this stuff was coming from. So yes, so let's, let's start. Which I'm sure, um, I guess most of us may know and maybe may not know. David was born into an illustrious family of Yeshai, which is Jesse. That's his... I guess Hebrew name, who also served as the head of the Sanhedrin. Now that I did not know. I know David was Jesse's son. And Jesse had seven sons, but that's as far as the Bible tells us. But when you go back now, digging as far as, you know, the history, you find a lot more information as to who Jesse really was, besides just being the father of David. Jesse was one of the most distinguished leaders of his generation. And according to some sources of Jewish history, they described Jesse as a great man, that he was a man of much greatness, whatever that means. In other words, like we would sit back home, well to do. That way he would sit today, I guess, high value, I guess. That's how you put it today. The Talmud recognizes Jesse as one of four righteous individuals who died solely due to the instigation of the serpent. Meaning, i.e., only because death was decreed upon the human race when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge at the serpent's instigation not due to any sin or flaw of his own. So in other words, what they're trying to say is he didn't die because, oh, he was sinful or he did something wrong. Kind of like, you know, when Job was being persecuted, he didn't do anything wrong. But for maybe those that may not have known, like his friends who were saying, you must have done this and you must have, this, you know, and it, it was far from the truth. He didn't do anything. He was just being tested by God. But according to them, he ain't feed the poor, he ain't do this, and he ain't do that. So that's why he must have been suffering. But that was not true. So kind of like that is what they're trying to say here. In other words, you know, he died not because he had flaw. I mean, we all, how do I describe this? Oh, Lord, help me. Um, He didn't, not from wickedness. In other words, he wasn't a wicked man. So that's what they were trying to say, or they're trying to say. 
David was also the youngest in his family out of seven other illustrious and charismatic brothers. According to the Jewish woman website, David was born into a prominent family, like I said before, but his birth, however, was met with utter derision and contempt. David was not permitted to eat with the rest of his family, but instead he was given the task to tend to the sheep because, quote unquote, they hoped that a wild beast would come and kill him while he was tending to the sheep. David was sent to the pasture in dangerous areas filled with lions and bears so that he would be eaten or killed. But God kept him because David was God's chosen one, not his seven other brothers, even though they might have been illustrious or charismatic. Remember, when God sent Samuel to anoint one of Jesse's sons, of course, when Samuel saw the first one pass by, he was like, oh, that must be him because I guess he was nice looking. And the Lord said, mm -mm, that's not him. No, the Lord said to him, you judge based on outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. And looking at the heart, David was the man. He was the one that God chose because he had the heart. According to the Jewish women, or JW.org, the only individual in David's life, especially throughout his childhood, who was pained by the unjustified plight that he was experiencing and who felt a deep and unconditional bond of love for her child was David's mother, Nitzavet. And if you notice, David's mom is never mentioned in the Bible. We know, well, David's brothers, they were mentioned because they were jealous of him. And we also know for the fact that when Saul went to anoint the king, all of them had to pass in front of him, but yet the Lord approved of none of them. That's how we know about them. And we also know too, because I think they, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, they also were part of Saul's army. But other than that, we don't know anything else about them because there's nothing to really know. David's mother alone knew that her child was innocent and undoubtedly pure. She felt her child's pain and rejection. Those are the key words right there. Pain and rejection. And what really stood out to me also, it says that his mother was the only individual, meaning the only person in David's life, especially throughout his childhood, who was pained by his unjustified treatment that he received. 
So in other words, no one else cared but her. Nothing like a mother's love. The only thing like a mother's love is God's love. Netzavet was torn and in anguish by David's unwarranted degradation. However, even though she was his mother, she was powerless to stop it. And in fact, she was powerless because she was a woman. And as a woman during those times, she couldn't do anything. And seeing the fact that also women during those times, they had no say. There was no women's lib and, 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 and modern women and all that stuff you got going on. Woke women. It was none of those things. Women had to know their place. Even though you didn't like something, you couldn't speak up and say anything. And although she was powerless to stop it, what she did do, she didn't abandon her child. Instead, she stood in solidarity on the sidelines with her son David. Nitzavet herself was also shunned and had cried many tears as she waited for the time of justice, not just for herself, but also for her son, David. And of course, justice would come, but it didn't come easy. It took a very long time. And to be exact, it took 28 years. So let me give you some more background history that I was able to gather. Now, much of the information has not been recorded in the Bible. And according to sources, a lot of the secret episodes are alluded to the Midrashim or Midrashim, which is an ancient commentary on part of the Hebrew scriptures. And it's a kind of, it's like a mode of biblical interpretation prominent in the Talmudic literature. Yeah, because I have to go and look that up. I'm like, what's that? Now, here's where everything started. As we all know, Jesse was the grandson of Boaz and Ruth. Now, according to jewishwomen.org, after several years of marriage to Nitzavet, and having raised his children, Jesse began to entertain personal doubt about his ancestry. You see, Jesse's grandmother, of course, who was Ruth, if you remember, she was a Moabitess. But she was not just a Moabitess, she was a Moabitess who had converted to the God of Israel. And during Ruth's life, there were many individuals who doubted the legitimacy of her marriage to Boaz. That lady caught hell. And according to the jewishwomen.org, the Torah specifically forbids an Israelite to marry a Moabite convert because the Moabites refused the Israelites' passage through their land, nor did they allow them to purchase any food or drink when they were wandering in the desert after they were freed from Egypt. So, you know, all of this was before Christ because yeah, your Christ is forgiveness, but they were hearing about, they, they were not hearing about no forgiveness at this point in time. 
But anyway, this is what the law was, you know, according to back then. And according to other Jewish sources, Boaz died the night after his marriage to Ruth. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. I'm just telling you what's out there. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. And according to some of these sources, it says that Boaz died the night after his marriage to Ruth. And that Ruth had conceived and given birth to their son, who was Obed. And Obed, of course, was the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. And it is said that some of the town's troublemakers, boy, I sound like some of them folk back in the Caribbean. But anyway, during that time, claim that Boaz's death was a verified sign that his marriage to Ruth was forbidden. And Obed was a true servant of the living God. Later time would tell. And after Obed and Jesse had their children along with their righteous conduct and prestigious positions, which would end up proving the legitimacy of their ancestry, still that did not stop Jesse later on in his life from having doubts in his heart. That's why it's important that children know who their parents are. Because imagine he knew who his parents were, but he was still having doubts about his ancestry. But not only that, it's also important that we know whose we are, meaning Christ or the other one. It's important. So let's continue. The Jewish org describes Jesse as a sincere individual who had integrity. And it says he was compelled to action. Jesse felt that if needed, his status was questionable. That would also mean that he was not permitted to remain married to his wife, Nitzavet, who was a very fiable Israelite. In other words, she was a how we would say a full-blooded Israelite. In other words, you know, there was no doubts about her ancestry. Just like there really was none, no doubts about his, but he thought that because clearly it tells you where his mind was. That's why it's important when you marry someone as a woman, you got to know where the mind of the man is. Is it with, is it with Christ? Because if it's not, he, he going to have doubts. So let's continue. Jesse decided it was both his and his wife's best interest that he not remain married to her or to separate from her and no longer engage in any type or form of marital relationships with his wife. And his children were very much aware of the separation between their father and their mother. So here you have a man. He allowed, like we said back home, he allowed the town people, the townspeople, to make him question his legitimacy. And by him allowing the enemy to use them to cast doubts in his mind, now he's thinking that he's not pure. So he makes a decision. He never consults the Lord. On anything, I haven't seen it in the research that I've done. 
where it says he consulted the Lord as to what he needed to do. He made it. It says Jesse decided it was best for both him and his wife in their best interest not to remain married. The Lord didn't tell him to, to divorce her. Or he, the Lord had nothing to do with this. He made the decision himself. So let's continue. After a number of years, Jesse wanted to have a child whose ancestry would not be questioned. So Jesse planned so by engaging in sexual relations with his Canaanite maid servant. Now, according to other sources, the very same maid servant knew the anguish that her mistress Nisavet was experiencing from being separated from her husband for all those years. And back in those days, the maid servants they had no say; they had to do what they were told, whether it was by you know the husband or the wife, because that's what they were there to do: serve in whatever way they wanted them to serve. And in this case, Jesse decided well he was going to have sexual relationships with his maidservant in order to produce a child whose ancestry would not be questioned. So what the maidservant did, and clearly this maidservant, she was a good maidservant. She knew that her madam, her mistress, Nitzavet, wanted to have more children. And being an empathetic person that she was, the Canaanite maidservant approached her mistress, excuse me, and informed her of what Jesse had planned to do. And the maidservant suggested a plan to counteract Jesse's plan. With prayer, the plan worked. So you see, they prayed. Jesse didn't pray, but they did. Both the maidservant and his wife, who he put away, Nitzavah, prayed. And what happened was, Nitzavet took the place of the Canaanite maidservant. And that night when Jesse went into the maidservant thinking it was her, who he was about to lay with, unbeknownst to him, it was his wife, Nitzavet, and she conceived. You know what this reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of Leah, Rachel, and Jacob. But it also reminds me of Judah and Tamar. Nitzavet's pregnancy, of course, later began to show. And her sons, not knowing what was going on, they wanted to kill their mother because that was serious business now. You're a married woman, you're pregnant because they knew their father and their mother were separated. And like, okay, my mother's pregnant all of a sudden. She must be pregnant for another man. So they really wanted to kill her because they thought that her pregnancy was conceived through an adulterous affair, but it was not. And not wanting to embarrass her husband by telling him the truth about what really happened, she stayed quiet. And instead, Nitzavah chose to take a vow of silence. And even though Jesse did not know the truth, he still felt compassion for his wife. And he ordered his sons not to lay a hand on her. 
But here's what he suggested. He suggested instead. Well, actually, he said he told them don't kill her. And this is what he suggested. He said instead, let the child that will be born be treated as a lowly and despised servant. I'm not sure how much compassion he... Well, it did say he, he felt compassion for his wife. He didn't say the wife and child. So there we go. And this way, he said, everyone will realize that his status, the child's status, is questionable. And as an illegitimate child, he will not marry an Israelite. From the moment David was born, he was treated like an outcast. Many people in the community saw how his brothers treated him, and they assumed that David was a treacherous sinner full of unspeakable guilt. On occasion, when David would return from the pastures, he was often shunned by the townspeople. Lord have mercy. Mm. Yeah, brought back a lot of memories. It is said that if something was either lost or stolen, David would often bear the blame. And he was also ordered to repay what he didn't even steal. He hadn't even stolen anything. But he was still, just because they found him guilty, or they claimed he was guilty, they, he, he would be ordered to just pay. Sad. And then it says, eventually Jesse's entire lineage was under question, along with the basis of the original law of the Moabite convert, meaning Ruth. You see, the people claimed or they believed that all the positive qualities of Boaz were manifested in Jesse's seven sons. But on the other hand, the very same people also believed that the negative character trait of Ruth, because she was a Moabitess, a convert, that her despicable ways, well, I guess from the Moabites, her youngest son inherited, with, with Jesse's youngest son inherited, which was David. Despite everything that David experienced throughout his lifetime, you know, starting from how he was conceived, even up to his birth, no matter what, he was still God's choice. He was God's chosen one. He was a man who was after God's own heart. God loved David, and David loved his God. Oh my God, he loved his God. He really did. You see, David's father did not think much of him. In Jesse's eyes, David was considered a small, lowly, but in David's heavenly father's eyes, he was so much more. His father and his brothers and the townspeople saw him as a scoundrel of a shepherd boy who inherited the bad traits of his Moabite convert great-grandmother Ruth. However, in God's eyes, he saw a giant slayer and a future king of his people. Later, of course, David would not just be chosen to be king of Israel, who would replace King Saul, he was also the one God chose whose root would become the redeemer, 
and who would sit at the right hand of the Father. And that is none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now you might be like young David, the boy whom everybody despised. And like David, I know what it is to be rejected. I know what it is. I know what pain is, pain and rejection. And I'm sure you do too. Christ knew what was rejection also. I think better than any one of us, including David. And as painful as this story might be, I want both you as well as my own self to pay extremely close attention. Because you see, even though David may have been despised by man and rejected by his father, his brothers and the people, remember, he was not rejected, nor was he despised by God even when he had fallen. And the same applies for you and for me. Matter of fact, David was selected and loved by the living God. And as we know, if you know the stories, David fell short on so many occasions in his life, especially when he was king. But yet, he still remained as God's chosen one because of his heart and his willingness to repent and love his God unconditionally. Of course, from whence also came the birth of that psalm where this entire episode came forth, which is Psalm 51. And among other psalms that he wrote. You see, as true children of the living God, the world is going to hate both you and I. It's going to hate us. They hated Jesus. In Isaiah, I, I, no, that was not Isaiah 50. Well, yeah, Isaiah 53 3 tells us how they looked at him like he was nothing. Joseph brothers, they hated him. Threw him in the system, then they sold him into slavery. Paul was hated. As we know, David was hated. Ruth, Mordecai, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the Jews or Israelites. And let's not forget the apostles. If you are Truly a child of God, and you have been called and set apart by God for his kingdom, for his honor and for his glory, and for his work? Believe this. You are going to be hated. People are going to hate and reject you, and they're going to treat you badly, just as they did David, Christ, and many others. Even some of our own brothers and sisters throughout the world, even to this very day. The Bible tells us about when the world likes us. Then you're not of the Lord. 
You're not of God. You're not of, you're not. Even though everybody wants to be liked, no one wants to be hated. Let's just be honest. But when you've gotten to a certain point in your walk and you understand what God's words say, you're going to, you expect it and you learn to deal with it. Because what that means is I belong to the Lord. We belong to Christ Jesus. Remember that Jesus told us himself in his own words, he says, no servant is greater than their master. He said, if they hated me, which means hated him, they're also going to hate you, which means us. But he also told us to also remember that they, being the people in the world, hated him first. And many Christians in different parts of the world are hated daily. They're killed. They're faced with harsh persecutions, of which a lot of them at times are put to death. Remember, when people hate you, as long as you are innocent and you know you have not done anything to him, to them, know that in reality, starting, they hate their own selves. That's, that's really the truth. They, they hate themselves. And they see something in you that they don't see in themselves. So they hate you. They hate you because of the name of Jesus, the light, whatever it is that God has placed within you. And remember, there's something that God has placed in each and every one of us. And many of our other brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world, including those who have gone on before us, that makes people hate us. It is because they lack something that God has placed in us that only comes by one way. And of course, that is no other way than by the way of Christ Jesus and the work that he accomplished at the cross, which comes in the mark upon us in the form of the Holy Spirit. True Christians will be persecuted. You will be persecuted. If you ain't being persecuted, then you need to ask yourself, which road are you really traveling on? The remnant will be persecuted. Not only will they be persecuted, they are being persecuted. Don't get caught up in the celebrity Christian movement with pastors living their best lives now in their mansions with their airplanes and fancy cars. Many of God's greatest generals did not have luxuries. But that did not mean that they were not loved and chosen and wanted by the Lord. They were chosen by God. And another great reminder. I remember, oh my goodness, this was, oh Lord, I don't know how many years. This was, this was over 10 years ago. And I was talking to one of my cousins. And I was like, you know, I don't even have a house and that was during the days when I was really, I was in the loader bar of life. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying to me, and he was Jehovah Witness. But he said that to me and I never forgot and it stuck with me. 
So I want to pass this on to you because it's not a secret. It's in the Bible. Remember this. A great reminder. When Christ was here on the face of this earth, the greatest man to ever walk the face of this earth. Don't let nobody fool you. I don't care how much degrees they got, how much letters behind their names, how much money. There was only one great man to walk the face of this earth and his name is Jesus Christ. The one who is, who was, and who's coming again. That's it. The one who died on the cross. There ain't no man greater than him. Anything greater than Christ is God himself. He said, these are his words, not my words. These are his words that have been recorded in the word. And it comes from Matthew 8 verses 20. Where it reads, The foxes have holes, and the birds of heaven have nests, but the Son of Man does not have a place where he may lay his head. So in other words, he did not own a home. Jesus didn't even have a car. Well, they had no cars back then. Listen, Jesus didn't even own a donkey. You have to, and to, to have a donkey, you have to be doing a little decent. And back in those days, only kings rode on horses. And they only rode on horses when they were going out to war. Because I remember doing a study on that. So if you, most people walked. Maybe a few had a little extra change. They were able to buy themselves a little donkey. Not even a donkey Christ owned. He had to borrow a donkey. He had to borrow the donkey. Palm Sunday, he had to go and borrow the donkey. He sent his, one of his, uh, I think either one or two of them to go to this man to ask to borrow the coat to take him. <laughs> he didn't own a donkey, a common donkey. He didn't have a home. Remember the Bible also tells us that the poor will always be with us. Somebody is part of the poor. Not because you might not have this or that, like what the world calls. The world's success is not God's success. It's the same thing with David's father. Now here he was allowing these people to dictate his life that it interfered with his marriage. It, well, it started interfering with his mind, his life, his marriage. And who gets hurt? An innocent child who happened to be David. He was rejected and pained all because his father thought that his ancestry was not legitimate. Thank God we don't go by our ancestry because if I was, I'd be condemned. Thank God that we go by none other then one name, and that is Jesus Christ. And because Jesse was so unsure of his ancestry, he destroyed everything practically. But God still had his hand on David, and he preserved him for the right time and the right moment. Because that could have gone a different way. Truthfully speaking, 
That's why it's important that you know who you're marrying. Because if he ain't focused on the Lord, well, guess what? If he ain't focused on the Lord before you get married, he ain't going to be focused after you say, I do. And he's going to lead you in his way, not the Lord's way. And in the end, all that's going to do is end up bringing lots of pain and, and rejection and suffering. And as usual, the innocent pay for the guilty, unfortunately. And it's sad, but it, it's a reality. Imagine Jesse's questioning something that God made clean. His grandmother gave up her God and her idols to follow Naomi. And she said, your God will be my God. And she, I don't see anything nowhere in scripture, not even outside sources that said she went back to her culture or her family. She remained and died. With the God of Israel. But yet he questioned his ancestry. May you not question whose you are. And I hope and pray that your whose or your who is Christ Jesus and not Satan. Because then it would be woo. That's why it's important that we know who we belong to. Every day I have to examine my own self. Trust me, I do. I do. To make sure that I'm trying my best to walk and follow his ways. Don't let men tell you who you are when God says who you are. God has already said who you are. And if you accepted Christ, you're a child of God. That's who you are. Don't let the townspeople come from wherever they come from to try to tell you something differently. Because if you allow the townspeople to get in, that's all, you're allowing the devil to enter in to tell you you're not saved, to tell you this, to tell you that, oh, that, that there's not only one way to Christ. Which, as we all know, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. And as I did the research on this, uh, that day after I was finished, my heart was like really, it was, it was broken because I, I had a moment there in this and I could see certain things from my own self and you can't let people decide for you because trust me, if you allow them, they will decide for you. And what they decide is not what God decides. God is the author and finisher of our lives and our faith. He makes the decisions. And even him, he gives us free will. So he gives us free will who created us. Who is man to come and tell you what you should or should not do? You know, as we share messages out there, I share it. I might be a little passionate, but the choice is still yours. Whether you choose or not, that's up to you. That's not up to me. The decision is yours, just like my decision was mine. But don't let people, you know, maneuver you from out of position where God might be trying to order your steps. Because at the end of the day, when it comes time to stand before the Lord, you're going to stand by yourself. 
And when he asks you X, Y, and Z, what you gonna say? Oh, I did because this one, the townspeople, no, the townspeople ain't gonna answer. They gonna answer, but not at the same time that you have to answer. You have to answer for yourself. Always put that in your mind. That when you stand before God and he asks X, Y, or Z, you want to know you're in the right. It's important. It's very important. So, just like Christ never had a donkey, nor did he have a place to lay his head or a house, it might be the same for a lot of us, but that doesn't mean you're, you're a failure. It doesn't mean that you're not good, that God doesn't love you. It does not mean that at all. And clearly we can see that with King David, because if that was the case, David would have given up. He wouldn't have gotten to be king and Jesus would have not been the root from David. He would have been the root from something else, but he was the root of David because God saw David's heart. He promised him that he would, one of his seed would sit at his right hand and he's still sitting there until he comes again and one more verse before i close out um james 1 verses 2 to 3 tells us james tells us he says my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience we have a microwave generation. We have churches today that preach your best life now. Prosperity gospel. That you're not supposed to have trials. Yeah, they ain't supposed to have none because their their pockets are lined. So when you have a trial you feel, or someone else you know has a trial you feel like, okay, they're cursed, X, Y, and Z. But that's not true. The Bible clearly tells us here that count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, even though it, it don't be it don't feel joyful, but nevertheless keep your joy, keep your praise, knowing that God is able to deliver. And he delivers however way he chooses to deliver, whether it's life or through death. Either way, God is God. So that's the end of that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us when the world may hate us. Most importantly, thank you for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Though we might be hated, rejected, and despised by man, we have full confidence in you because you have chosen us out of the world for your honor, for your kingdom, and for your glory through Christ Jesus, who died for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now, so we have gotten to the quote of the episode. And this episode's quote is, Hope is like the stairs, unseen in the sunshine of prosperity and only discovered during a night of adversity. And of course, that was taken from none other than one of my favorite devotionals of all times, the one I'm in again this year, entitled Streams in the Desert.
So that was my findings on the early life of David and some of the, you know, the pains and rejections and sufferings that he encountered in his young days. And also before closing, I just want to share this real quickly. And that's one of the reasons why also I'm, I'm kind of trying to record this today. This morning as I woke up, I made my bed and I knelt down to pray. And as I was praying, the Holy Spirit reminded me of something. The Holy Spirit reminded me that It was the Sunday of the week that my friend died. And I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah, I remember I'd spoken to him on a Sunday because the this week coming up is the one year anniversary. And and I said, oh, yeah, it was the sun. I spoke to him that this was the week because this is the week coming up. And I'm like, but I didn't even remember that I had spoken to him um, that there was the Sunday also of the week that he, you know, he passed. And I remember as I, I knelt there, I was like, I don't know what date it was, but I know it's sometime because I've been, I mean, I've been remembering the days, eh? I know it's approaching and I, I've been remembering it and I had recorded everything from last year anyway. So as I was sitting downstairs doing my quiet time earlier, I grabbed my journal because I turned to the date to see what was going on on that day because I know what was, I know something was going on, but that was concerned because it's during this time. And when I turned to May 7th of 2022, Lo and behold, the entry was just what the Holy Spirit reminded me. And I remember that conversation just like it was yesterday. And I said, oh my God. Because you know, each year the days change. You know, the seventh on a Sunday last year don't mean it's going to be the seventh on a Sunday this year. It could be Monday this year. But it was the 7th of May on a Sunday last year. And this very year, it's the same May 7th. And I remember when um, it was a few days after the surgery and I called the hospital to speak to him and they, would, they took the phone to him. I, I remember it just like it was yesterday. And I remember... As they were taking the phone, you could hear him in the background. You could hear the machines beeping. And they asked him, because uh, they asked me who's speaking. I, you know, I gave them my name. So as they took the phone to him, you could hear everything in the background. And they called his name, and he kind of like answered. And they told him um, who was on the phone. And they asked him if he, if he wanted to speak, because I guess maybe certain people call he wasn't 
Because at that point, he, you know, he was really going in and out. Um, so I guess maybe certain people, you know, he, I, um, I, 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 I'm not sure how to even really like say it, but I guess, you know, at that point you, you want your rest, not any, everybody you want to speak to. So when they told him it was me, um, they asked him if he want to speak to me and he I could hear him and he said, yes, I, I heard him very clear. And he, he was like, yes, yes. And you know, they put the phone and I, I never forgot, um, yeah. And when they gave him the phone, he said, um, he said, Arlene, how are you? Just like that. And he sounded brand new. And I remember, I was just going to say, oh my God, he's healed. Excuse me. And just then after he said it clear as a bell, with such a joy. I know you. And after that, it was all mumbling. I couldn't hear nothing. And when he started to mumble, I realized that, yeah, it was drawing closer to the end, you know? So the Lord reminded me of that day today. And... Um, I'm thankful for God, what he has done. And yeah, so I thank God. So I get this episode out of the way. So because I wouldn't probably be able to do it this week again. And I just wanted to, when we think sometimes that God has forgotten us, he really hasn't. So that's all I want to really say. And I'm just going to close this episode right here and say, you know what? God bless until the next episode.